Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Our Game 2 podcast where we look about... Nope, I didn't like that. Welcome to the first episode of the Our Game 2 podcast. There are more British Asians involved in football than you would expect. There are nowhere near as many British Asians involved in football as there should be. Join us as we celebrate one and dissect the other. I'm joined by Kevil Patel. Hello, Kevil. Hello, Apu. How are you, mate? Phenomenal. Thank you very much for asking. So, Kevil, we have never met. No, we actually haven't ever met. All of our uh, conversations and debates have uh, taken place over the phone or online. So uh, it's nice to actually get something a little bit more formal going. I'm glad that you said it was debate and not arguments, which we've had on Twitter from time to time. Twitter battles. (laughs) No, no, no arguments there. All all open discourse and good discussion. Fantastic. Hopefully everyone will see or hear more of that in the coming weeks as well. So, Kevin, would you like to start by just telling us a little bit about you, what your journey in football has been and what you're doing at the moment? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started as an academy player, just going through the Sunday League ranks and ended up getting a uh, six-month trial at Chelsea. Um, Wasn't successful there as a... um, academy player so I left and ended up at Watford and spent two years there finished my two years at Watford and didn't get offered a new contract so I moved to Wickham Wanderers and then from Wickham they obviously went through some financial troubles and ended up shutting down the academy so I was on the look for a new club again by I think this is by 2013 so in 2013 I then signed for Stevenage Football Club uh, and completed two years and my under 16 year as a as an apprentice there. Um, I didn't get offered a professional contract so I ended up dropping into non-league football and that's where I ended up going to university. Um, did an undergraduate degree in psychology, uh, finished a master's degree in sports psychology last year and I'm now en route to training towards chartership for uh, well to become a full psychologist really. Fantastic, excellent. Okay I'll introduce, I mean you know a little bit about my story, I'll just tell it very briefly for the listeners. For me, it started um, around a year or so ago. My boy was 12. Give you a story very quickly. He went for a trial somewhere where logistically it wouldn't have been viable for us to go to. Some of the feedback we got was that this was from a professional goalkeeper who saw him and his feedback was to the manager that this was the best 12-year-old he's ever seen or the best 12-year-old trialist he's ever seen. So that was good. That showed us that we were going in the right direction. And then a couple of weeks later, at a networking event, nothing to do with football, I met I met the chief scout of a London football club. I won't say which one. And just in the course of conversation, when it, once he told me what he did, I just said to him, just to continue the conversation, again, logistically, this is not a club that would have made sense for my boy to be involved with. And I just said to him, oh, my boy, he's 12 he wants to become a professional and this chap he looked me dead in the eye asked me is his mum Indian as well and I said yes and he said he won't make it won't be big enough won't be strong enough we won't make any money out of him that's got me in the last year to be involved in not involved as much I've done kind of deep dive into racism discrimination etc in sport I've used the networking skills I've picked up over the years and I've been talking to people being liaising with people I've been networking with people been been connecting people up where I can not with any main goal in mind apart from just to raise awareness of the lack of football so that's my my kind of story that's where we're at the moment so I think what we'll do first of all or what I'll do first of all let me just set the scene a little bit and Kev will feel free to chip in etc we'll talk about why we're setting up the website which is ourgame2.com 
and the podcast and hopefully we'll have lots of guests coming on over the following weeks and months as well and then we'll move on to why that's important so in the uk there are or the last census there was approximately eight percent of the population was considered asian and when i talk about asian generally i'm going to be talking about south asian so india pakistan bangladesh sri lanka that kind of area we will delve and talk about other other parts of asia as well as and when it's empowering, but primarily it's the South Asians that are the focus of this. So 8% of the population are South Asian. In professional football, which makes up the Premier League and what's or the 71 clubs left in the EFL, there are approximately 10 South Asian footballers or footballers of South Asian descent, which is less than half a percent. And considering the love for football that all the Asians that I know have, which is as much as anybody else, it, it seems to be a little bit erroneous. Any thoughts on that, Kevin? I, I think the support from the Asian communities for football has, has always been there over the years. I think even now, more so than ever, because Asian acceptance in the game has been so high. I think the demand from Asians for football has skyrocketed through the roof. I mean, you only have to look you know, towards the Midlands of all these um, uh, Asian football clubs that have been set up. Um, and I had the fortunate pleasure to play for some of those during my time at university. And it's it's really fantastic to see that, you know, Asians are really taking an active part in well, increasing participation in the game, despite everything that's going on. No, they have. I've, I've played in there. There were some tourn- football tournaments organised over the summer months by local Gurdwaras throughout the yes, UK. Yes. And I've played in some of those when I was younger as well. The quality of those of some of the players is phenomenal. And I've played against again at university, etc. I played with semi-professional I've got an idea of the, the levels required, etc. And many of these players were top, top ballers, probably better than any of the semi-professionals I'd seen. Mm. Um, so it's always a, it's always been curious to me without, like I said, until about a year or so delving into it, wondering how comes they've never made it. So, okay, so that's kind of the scene. There's a huge interest amongst the Asian population in the UK, there's huge numbers of participation too. But the numbers in the professional game do, do not reflect that, not at all. So here's a question for you, Kevil. Why is this important? Why is it important that we, A, highlight the lack of Asians and obviously the converse is celebrating the Asians that are involved in football? And why is it important that we discuss why the, the numbers are lacking or so low? I think given the time that we're living through at the moment where we are all striving for equality of opportunity not so much outcome but equality of opportunity I think it's important that we discuss these these issues because we need to be able to maximise every ethnic minority's ability to obtain opportunities in football Um, while I don't think we're searching for equal outcomes so everybody getting professional contracts all the time I think it's important that like you said about your son that young Asians have the opportunity to trial or get contracts in academies or you know older Asians have the ability to get jobs in football clubs or in football in some capacity I think with the with the stats and the numbers as you pointed out the proportion of people from Asian backgrounds or South Asian backgrounds who are in football at the moment and the portion who actually convert those into professions in the game is significantly low and I think that that that's the reason why we're doing this is to understand and appreciate the reasons why that's happening and I suppose creating action moving 
forwards or policy moving forward, it's important to understand these these factors in order to come up with viable solutions. Okay, one of the things, yeah, so it's maximising the talent pool and it's not just players, but also coaching, administration, everything, correct? Yes, absolutely. All, all facets of the game. Yeah, definitely. I think there, I mean, going a little bit deeper, do you think there's there's a possibility that we, we know in certain parts of the UK in with, within certain communities as well, there's, there's how do I describe it, an air of disenfranchisement with, with the government and the, the structure and society in general. Do you think things, if, they, if people could see more of a pathway into football, do you think that would help with something like that? Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's a tricky one with, especially with the South Asian communities, because typically the arguments have been, oh, you know, they prefer other sports like cricket as a stereotype or they put too much emphasis on education. I think I think a key factor as well for, for Asian families is they're really put off by the success rate of converting academy football into professional football. I mean, I've, I must have played with probably over six, seven hundred players in my time in academy football and I only know three of them that have made it as a profession as professionals and two of them aren't even playing in the league anymore it just goes to show the conversion rates and I think the reason why Asians are doing economically well in in, in the UK now is because they put so much emphasis on education and studying um, but that poses a massive problem for for our inclusion in sport because as we know there's a massive opportunity cost in sport where if you do not focus all your time in sport it's very difficult to become a full-time professional yeah okay I mean I think um, something that you've kind of alluded to as well there's a lot going on in the world right now the black lives movement has been um on everyone's minds over the summer and i think everyone wants a fairer society where there aren't structural issues holding people back obviously it's down to individual talent etc as you've said so here's what an, another question just related to that Every a lot of people from the outside would assume that football is a meritocracy best talent rises to the top etc what what are your thoughts on that do you think that's a naive assumption i think i think it's an individual case by case situation i think a lot of clubs do have systems in place which do merit that to a certain degree. I wouldn't say that every club's 100% doing it, but I would say there are there are some clubs which do actually operate in that way. But I don't I don't always think that's the case, Apu. I mean, it, it's it's a very tricky argument to, to talk about because there's no evidence behind it. And I think an important thing that I wanted to achieve by this is to kind of just dive into the issues that surround those kind of structures which dictate how players get pushed through and what it would seem to me is that when Asian players do come through these systems they're faced with certain challenges which you know other um, minorities or other races aren't faced with and I think that's the reason why we're doing this is to understand what those challenges are and how or strategies that they can use to overcome them I wouldn't I wouldn't say it, it happens at every club. I, I would say that it happens at some clubs, but it's just not well documented enough for us to understand the entire issue just yet. But I'm hoping that will change in the next few years. I think one of the things that we have disagreed on on Twitter or when we've had conversations, etc., has been, I guess, to do with racism. Now, I think over racism, with the exception of recent months, both the BLM thing and possibly the Brexit influence as well, over racism has significantly decreased I think uh, football matches it's changed completely yes you're going to get the odd fan say something stupid or odd group of fans singing songs which are inappropriate etc but on the whole the overt racism that most people see in terms of on tv or at crowds at football matches possibly even playing 
Saturday, Sunday yeah. football, etc. That has decreased. I think one thing which is difficult to know, difficult to ascertain, is is more the either the structural racism, if there is, the subconscious biases, etc. How much of an influence they play on 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 I guess people's perceptions and when it comes to stereotypes, etc. I'll be honest, my personal opinion, which I think is where we differ, is that everyone's got masses of biases and they're they're deep rooted through many things in culture, as well as family and tradition within cultures, etc. And I think that plays a massive part. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed, but it's difficult. It's, It's not visible and but where it encompasses pretty much everything i guess it's difficult to know where to start i mean i I don't i wouldn't say that mean you disagree on the fact that unconscious bias necessarily exists i think every human being in the world regardless of race has a form of um bias built within them because that's the way humans have been built evolutionary i mean anyone who's who's kind of studied the race literature knows that bias was a protective mechanism that human humans developed to identify as part of their own tribes in order to improve their survival survival chances so and there's loads of studies on this like when when you're talking about hiring for example you're more likely to hire your own race in the workplace regardless of competence even when you're you're choosing people in terms of attractiveness on um, face recognition studies, you're more likely to choose your own race because you find your own race more attractive. So there's loads of evidence on that to suggest there is an, a stereotype or underlying level of bias, but we don't know what impact that has on decision-making and perception because firstly, there's no way to measure it. And secondly, how do we know if someone's outrightly gone out of their way to say, I'm going to discriminate against X, Y, and Z because of the way they are or the of the color of their skin it's like i couldn't go up to a coach and say you have unconscious bias that's the reason you haven't picked me because i'm brown like i don't know if that's the reason why he's not picked me maybe it might be you know 20 percent of his decision making but i can't definitively say that it's 90 percent plus and therefore cause a problem because of it and i think that's the issue that that we have with that with that line of argument and that's the issue that that the fa are having with as well is it's difficult for them to prove yeah i agree with you okay oh I think this is one of those things where we, I think we broadly agree, yeah. but we we have we subtly disagree on on certain things, and we'll come back. We'll we'll come back to this. Oh, there's 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 nuances. There's nuances in the argument. Yeah, there's nuances, and I think you make some really good points on that as well. You do have some really really good points, which are very strong as well. Cool. Well, I say we'll. I'm sure we'll come back to this in in future episodes and and future discussions. Mm. Okay, so. As I said, in future episodes, and depends on some of the guests that we get, we will look at some of the issues which are preventing Asians from being involved in football in greater numbers. I thought what might be a good idea right now is just to list some of those so that people get an idea. And I'll tell you why I'm, I'd like to do this now is quite often I'll have conversations with people around the lack of Asians in football, etc., and the response I'll get is a very def- definitive, yep, there's no Asians in football because A, B, C. And usually it is just two or three arguments and that's it. And that I find is a frustration because as you said, or you, I think you mentioned about a spectrum, there's a huge spectrum. There's so many facets to this. And I don't think any one thing can be either diminished or push to the forefront as yep that's the number one reason for it so 
Agreed. I'll start off with a a couple, and I said we'll just list. We'll just um, just what's the word when you brain think brainstorm brainstorm. My head's not working. Right. So yeah. let's brainstorm a couple of things. So the first thing that you, which you've mentioned already is parents and education. So I think, and I think that's complicated. And I don't think it's as simple as just saying parents hold us back or parents help, which obviously in many cases they do. And I don't think the focus on education in and of itself is necessarily an argument. It plays a massive part. But as I said, it's it's a, it's a facet that needs deeper exploration. What else can you think of? Um, I would say um, st- stereotyping as well. So um, Asians are perceived to you know, enjoy cricket more. And that, that, that's, I suppose that's true in India. I mean, obviously cricket's the largest sport in India and probably Pakistan and some South Asian communities, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have a burning desire for football as well. And I, I certainly prefer football over cricket. So I think that that's another one as well. I'm, I'm going to give you a little, st- very short story about that. I was once having a rather heated discussion with an Arsenal fan. I made what I thought was the winning point and he turned around to me and he said, and he said this in all seriousness as well. He said, you're an Asian. You know more about cricket. You should stick to that. Mm. And I was like, I know nothing about cricket. I know it's about <laughs> ball. There's, it's 11 side and that's about it. But again, it was, it was, and this was someone who'd grown up in, in East London. So I'm sure he's grown up in a multicultural area. And at school, he would have had friends of all types, etc. But, and it wasn't just that he said that, he said that with absolute belief that me as an Asian should know more about cricket and should stick to cricket. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that with the stereotypes. Um, I think something else which is mentioned quite often is physicality. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's again stereotyping though, isn't it? I mean, if you if you look at Asian Asian people, I mean, there's a stereotype where we're not not as powerful, physically exertive as you know, say black players or white players or even to an extent, Asian players. I'm not sure where the stereotype comes from, but if you believe in the free will argument, you can obviously go to the gym and train and become powerful. Like, There's no reason to suggest why an Asian player can't be as powerful as a white player or a black player. No, there isn't. And again, we talk about scientifically, studies have shown that they're, to be honest, race itself as a distinction doesn't exist. We should, we should be talking about ethnicity, and that's something that I will try and do moving forward and use the word ethnicity rather than race linked to that as well. There's, there is also a suggestion that Asian attitudes are some of a, something of a problem in terms of not just being more interested in education, etc., but also possibly being a little bit more submissive, not necessarily having the right level of aggression to be involved in, in professional sports too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't know. I haven't I haven't personally experienced that myself. I mean, I'm talking from my own experience now. And if a manager has said to me that I need to do X, Y, or Z to improve my game, I've never had a problem of applying different personalities to get through yeah. a match, for example. That's not ever been an issue that I've faced personally. I don't I, I think it's really easy to change who you are as a person on the pitch. I mean, if a manager tells you to do something, you do it right. I think it's again, it's just a cheap argument to kind of get away from the facts. Uh, look, I I, I agree you can change and you can be someone different on the pitch to who you are outside. All, that's it. All we're doing at the moment is just listing some of the reasons that people would have for for explaining away why there aren't enough Asians in football. Yeah. What else we got? Yeah, I, I think related to the stereotypes, I think also as well, people, I guess with scouting is a bit of a problem in this, in that 
quite often scouts or managers, they're looking for a particular type of player to fit a role. And I think that something that affects you as a goalkeeper, something that I think is very noticeable in the British professional system, especially is with goalkeepers. So there's a perception of, of I guess, black, won't even say Asian because they don't even, they're still under the radar, that they mm. may not be as good enough for whatever reason as, as a goalkeeper. So I don't know, I wonder how many black goalkeepers, great ones have been missed out upon because in a scout's mind, what they're looking for is a six foot four white person. Yeah, the the height situation with goalkeepers is interesting, especially with the the physical attributes that clubs are looking for. I mean, black goalkeepers especially seem to satisfy all of the criteria that a club would want. I mean, on average, they're slightly taller than uh, on well, just on average, they're slightly taller than most other players. Um, you know, and the black goalkeepers I've worked with in in football over my time have been more than competent to play at, at most of the levels they've been trying to achieve. But again, there is this. Uh, as you as you would say, there's underlying stereotyping slash bias, which might suggest that they, there's a lack of trust for black goalkeepers. But I think that's slowly changing and it's good to see. There's always going to be issues there until we kind of understand where they come from. OK, yeah. Looking at other things we mentioned, overt racism, which is difficult to, not so much it's difficult to prove, but as you said, if someone is, overt, is right in their head, they're overtly racist, but they don't display the actions of such. It's very difficult to to prove that same with structural racism which I think is there in in many aspects I'll give an example is for whatever reason there's been there's been a blockage in terms of black players making it as coaches at the highest level and as managers etc especially in the British game and Mm. something that you find for instance in the Premier League quite often a manager is appointed and he will bring his team with him but his team, due to historical whatever, etc., is going to be mostly white people. There's a few, there are a few black coaches I get, but not enough. And I think that's to do with a historical obstruction of them not getting to the highest levelers yet. Absolutely. I think, especially doing coaching badges and stuff as well, I think there are a lot of um, blocks in the way for um, BAME in general. I think there's, there's obviously a certain criteria that needs to be fulfilled. And for whatever reason, BAME coaches just aren't, you know, getting the badges done in the same number as white coaches. And I think that's really impacting the um, progression rate into kind of first team football and professional football as well as from the coaching side of things anyway. Are you aware of the Rooney rule? I am, yeah. There has to be um, one black player or sorry, one black person interviewed for every single, is it coaching or managerial position at football club? So the Rooney rule, it came from the NFL, the the American Football Football League, where a few years ago they set up something called the Rooney Rule, where for every single managerial appointment, at least one black manager had to be interviewed. Didn't mean there was no suggestion that they had to take them on. It's just they had to have the in, an interview. They had to have them involved in the interview process, and that has led to an increase in numbers of black coaches in the NFL. Now yeah. that's been mooted in the UK. The EFL. The English Football League actually have that in place as well. They have the equivalent to the Rooney Rule. However, there are a couple of exceptions. For instance, if a club appoints a manager without going through an interview process, so for instance, I think Neil Warnock recently became manager of, escapes me now, but he wasn't interviewed. He was just appointed. So there's no requirement for the club to to 
even consider any BAME candidates. So th- there are ways around that as well. But I think it'll be interesting to explore that in a future episode in terms of for coaching. I know the FA has a very small, um, how should I put this, a very, a very small number of positions on, I think it's the A-level license that they will keep yeah. o- open for Asians. It's a tiny percentage. I think it's just 1% of the actual number or something. And it's also on merit as well. So it's a form of it in terms of they'll keep the place open. If an Asian's good enough or two, I think is the number per year, they will get on. If they're not, they'll open up the the spaces to someone else. So there's no favoritism as such, apart from just holding a couple of places. So I think that's something to consider as well. Diet, I think diet, again, I'm not saying the diet is wrong. I know that in many cases it won't be, but again, to do with perceptions of diet and how it can impact upon physicality, etc., that's probably something that that needs to be explored a little bit in the future. Same with religion and culture, because I know people have stereotypes about that. I think I've come across someone sort of talking about Muslim players. This may be an article from a few years ago, him being worried about losing Muslims during prayer times, losing them during Ramadan, etc., yeah, that's a big one, especially we saw that in the World Cup as well, didn't we? Where, um, you know, I think there was one team that had to go off and pray. But the, I feel like the, the game's getting a bit more respectful around that, those things now. We're finding ways to accommodate different different religions um, in, in football in terms of prayer times and diets, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think the, the huge numbers of foreign footballers coming in, many of them Muslim, have helped as well. But this is at the, at the top level of the game. I mean, something like Mo Salah, for instance. I mean, Liverpool fans famously had that chant where they were, they were, I can't remember the actual words of the chant, but basically they're saying if Mo Salah is a Muslim, they'll go along to the mosque too. And it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't even the addition of a word like even though or anything. It was just a straight up celebration of Mo Salah and highlighting the fact yeah. that he's Muslim. So I think that's helped as well. I guess the problem's going further down with, I guess, where you've got less foreign players coming into the lower levels of the football league and even less numbers in grassroots football, where that's something to talk about as well is Asians tend to stick to Asian teams, etc. Not not completely. We, we're aware of that. But I think I think an important point you missed out, Apu, actually, to that list is um there's lower accountability the lower you go down because there's obviously no cameras, no officials, yeah. or less of any so when you go into non-league, you've got, I don't know, 10, 10 men and their dog watching if you go all the way down to the bottom where you find most Asians playing. So accountability is definitely an issue moving downwards. Yeah. I think on that it's just generally it's worth just stating in terms of the aims of both our podcast and website, we'll obviously look at the, the Premier League, we'll look at international football because that's in everyone's national consciousness. But football, especially in this country, it's a game that it's the national sport. It's in the psyche. It's not just about the professional game, grassroots. It's what everyone talks about. It's what everyone does. And we will encompass all of this, including women's football as well. So, yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. What else have we got? Um, can you think of anything else that will come up? I've got a couple more things. I'm thinking a little bit at the moment, there's the monochrome nature of football in the UK. It seems to be about blacks, it seems to be about whites, and there's no space for anyone else to be involved at the moment. And, mm. I mean, there's, 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 
I guess there's pros and cons to the argument. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but when we talk about the the black players playing football or being coaches, etc. On one hand, whilst the conversation, especially since the Black Lives Movement has been around them, the negative to that has been that obviously Asians are not being talked about which is something that's very noticeable. Having said that, when it comes to discrimination and abuse, etc., they also get the brunt of it as well. So that's something to consider in the future as well. And the last couple of bits I've got is, I know the FA are trying, they've got, they've just, well, I say they've just launched, they've launched a new four-year initiative, which I think they're in the second year of, to increase Asian participation in sports. But they're, they're a distinct body from the Premier League. So I think in recent years where the Premier League, the EFL and the FA have kind of drifted apart a little bit, there's 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 no, I guess there's no consistency of approach across across the three main bodies of, of English football. I think, yeah, that, that that's the that's the crux of the problem. I mean, if they if they were to put out a clear message to kind of promote a diversity kind of um, policy in terms of Asian participation in football, I think there would be more action sooner in terms of what we're facing. But I think because there's mixed messages and everyone's got their own different policies, it's very difficult to push things through quickly. So that, that could definitely be something worth discussing moving forwards about different strategies they could employ as a, as a group of bodies rather than as individual entities. Yeah, I've got people lined up from the FA that we'll, we'll talk to in the coming weeks as well. So it'll be interesting to see their take on it. Okay, so those are some of the issues that we'll be talking about in future weeks. I'm looking forward to exploring them in more detail as well. So what I'd like to do now what I would have liked to do. So we're supposed to have joining us on the podcast is Desi Ballers. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. Does have a website. I think Instagram is his favorite thing. So if you, if you haven't already, please check him out at Desi Ballers, D-E-S-I-B-A-L-L-E-R-S. And he does a fantastic job of highlighting professional Asian players, not just in the UK, but throughout the world. So weekly, once we can get him on, on board he'll be talking about some of the players and what they're up to each week there's i think he there's some somewhat players have been really successful at the moment there's i think there's a chap in norway who's scoring bucket loads of goals there's someone else in portugal who's doing well as one of the things that I th- frustrates me a little bit i don't know how you feel about this kevil is i think there are some asians in football but i don't feel that they get the support not that they should but that you would expect from from Asians generally who are interested in football otherwise, but but don't. I'm thinking there's Yan Dander at Swansea. He's I think he started their last couple of friendlies and he was scoring. He started scoring towards the end of last season as well. Then obviously you know, there's a lad at um, Leicester as well, isn't there? The one that played for I think it's England under 19s Ham- or 18s. Hamza Chowdhury. Uh, no, oh, there's the another one. one in the youth ranks. Yeah, and this is this is half the problem that we don't know who these individuals are properly. We just hear about them on. Twitter once and we we look over it and it's definitely something that we should be taking more of an active interest in to kind of you know support support the Asian community growing in football. Okay, so on that, one of the things that we'll do with the website is we have a spotlight section. So we will start listing the players and giving a little bit of a bio and how you can follow them and keep up to date with them. Because I think, as you said, it would be good for that. It has helped support them. The clubs can see there's interest as well from from mm. our communities as well towards them. That will perhaps push them in towards 
doing more to encourage Asian participation. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, just just closing, actually, there's a funny story, um, which I actually re- really want to share with you. Um, when I was at football club, um, I remember speaking to one of the coaches and one of the coaches actually said that the chairman really wanted to push me through the club because they knew that if they were able to bring through a full Asian footballer, the amount of revenue and the amount of fans that they would have got would have been yep. absolutely incredible. And I think I think that's a really big talking point as well, is that why are clubs not trying to push you know South Asian footballers through? Because there is an unprecedented amount of money available to them if they are able to bring a high quality south asian professional through yeah not just in the uk but also if you think about the indian subcontinent as well india especially is one of the biggest economies in the world so and the attention that they would get because obviously there's massive support for the premier league in well throughout the world india included yep so that's a very good point Mm -hmm. so yeah coming weeks we will keep an eye out on the professionals as well we'll let you know how they're going i said in the premier league at the moment we've got neil taylor we've got hamza chowdhury as well i know there's danny butt at Stoke he was at Wolves but I think he's been transferred or he's on loan can't quite remember and there's a few other players a little bit further down at the moment I think what we will do is stick to those that are professional rather than looking at the reserves or the younger the youth team players that are maybe in academies as well because I think it'd be unfair to kind of put more pressure on, on these kids that are coming through as well cool fantastic okay so I think we've got an interesting few weeks coming up Looking forward to Absolutely. to doing that. So your Kevin, your details are on the website. So other than that, do you want to just let people know how they can see what who you are, what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, keva one underscore kp. I'm also on Instagram as well um, with the same username. And uh, you can also go to my website, which is knpsportspsychology.com. Fantastic. And I don't suppose anybody is, but if anybody's interested in my occasional ramblings, etc., then check out the website, ourgame2.com, and all of my links, etc., will be on there as well. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Kevil, and we'll speak again shortly. Sounds good, Apu. Look forward to speaking to you then, mate. <laughs>